last week this time I was um, I was really in um, fervent prayer for a missions team that was down in Colombia, uh, not South Carolina but South America, and uh, the reason that I was praying for them was because they had gone down. It was a a team made up of three churches, uh, one church from Lindenwald, New Jersey, primarily. African American church uh, with some uh, Spanish speaking brothers and sisters in it, and then a Spanish speaking ministry in Reading, Pennsylvania, and then a, a neighboring ministry that was a partner with them from Christ Free Church over there uh, about 30 minutes. It's in Bethel, Pennsylvania. So they're a picture of a partnership. And these three churches had sent some of their leaders to Columbia to go do some gospel ministry. And uh, on the night they arrived, they met with the host, um, and when they met with the host, uh, they kind of gathered together in a home and they prayed, and, and one of the people that were helping host uh, was a mother to one of the pastors from here in America, and uh, one of the pastors that was down from America on the trip said, you know, you're about to host us for the week. And we know we're going to be seeing a lot of people that you know, and you're going to be helping us do ministry. But before we get started with all that, we want to ask you, how can we pray for you? And this mother said to this man, I want you to pray for my family. Uh, you have this son here, but I want you to know that my family's divided because not all of my children are walking with the Lord. And she said, uh, one of my sons uh, is, he's actually a rather famous musician. He's a guitarist down there. And uh, she said, I want you to pray for him that he would come back to the Lord and start using his talents for the Lord. So they spent some time in prayer. The next morning they get up, they're driving down the road, they're in a van. And the van that they were driving in, uh, a tire blew out and it went sideways. And then the van started rolling. And then it rolled over a concrete medium. And, and then when it, by the time it landed, some of the people that were on the team had been tossed out of the van. And uh, one of the men that was from the church outside, the, the primarily the Anglo church, outside of Reading, Pennsylvania, the, the van was lying on top of him. And he lost his life. Uh, and the mother, who they just prayed for the night before, got tossed from the van. She didn't die from injuries sustained in the van, but she had a, a heart attack right after that, and she passed away. So we had a, a missions trip where three of our churches, this morning as they gather, they're praying, uh, Lord, recover. Help us. Help us heal and help us find peace. And uh, there's still a lot to pray for there. But let me tell you... Uh, my initial reaction is, let's get everybody home as quickly as we can. They didn't want anything really to do with that. They stayed down there. They wanted to stay as a team, and they wanted to minister to one another. I got pictures in my phone where they sent to me nurses and administrators in the hospital that they led to Jesus, where they were being treated, because instead of panicking and mourning as people who have no hope, they went in there and they were hurting, they were in pain, they were in sorrow, but they were in there getting their bones 
taken care of and stitches in their body. There's one still in the hospital today. And the body, as of I, I knew on Friday anyway, had not been released. There's still a couple of people down there, but I will tell you this. Because of their stability in Christ and their commitment to Christ in the middle of their pain and suffering, a lot of people came to know Jesus Christ. They did the funeral for the, the lady who passed away on the missions trip. Mind you, her last prayer with this team was that God would bring the family back together, that her, her son primarily, who wasn't using his talents for the Lord, that he would start using his talents for the Lord again because he, that's where he learned how to play the guitar. Do you know that he stood up at the funeral and said, my mother prayed for me that I would, I would use my talents for the Lord. And he said, I just want to say, from now till the day I die, my talents will be used for the glory of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I just, I, I tell you, they were tested. This team was tested, and they're still being tested. We're trying to, I told you I do a lot of things, and the number one thing is to try to help with leaders. They're going to need counseling. PTSD is going to be there for a few of them. One of the young men had to be hospitalized for like three days. They wouldn't let him go, not because of injuries, but because of the severity of the shock. And so uh, that, we're still in the middle of it in some ways, but they went through a severe test. But I got to tell you, looking at it right now, I would say they passed with flying colors as a team. How many of you know that life is filled with tests? I spoke on a college campus this past Thursday, and I basically shared with them the message that I'm sharing with you. And the reason that I'm preaching this, this message, this was given to me, this message in another version was given to me in 1998. The passage is what I fell in love with. The message is simple because you just read the passage and it's like you just get it. I don't have to preach a whole lot even though I will, the reality is that it just kind of preaches itself because here, as I was preaching to these college students, I said, you're going to take some really, you're going to take some doozies of tests right here on this campus, and you're going to think, oh, this is so bad, I can't believe these teachers are giving me like three tests in one week, it's not fair, and you're going to leave here and you're going to look back and say, I can't believe I ever even stressed out over that, because this is like a, this is like a, Lightweight test. It's real, and it's a big deal. Pass the test. Make a good grade on the test. But here's what I want you to know. Life will be filled with tests. Not just in the classroom here on campus, but in the classroom of life. And here's what I want to do. I want to learn some lessons. I want to give you just some reminders. How many of you uh, like those teachers in school, whether it was in high school, college, or whatever? You really like those teachers who gave you the review before the exam? And they said, this, it would do you well to, to remember this or to know this. Well, I'm going I'm to try to give you a little bit of that today, all right? Because we're all going to be tested. And I want us to do well when we're tested like my friends in Columbia did this past week. Now, I know you've been sitting a while, so uh, if you can't do this, it's okay. But if you can do this with me, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I know that you're studying the book of Nehemiah as a church family. 
And uh, in the book of Nehemiah uh, and over there in Ezra, we see before they would read the law, they would stand. And they read the law together. And then they would say, Amen and Amen. And they, would have, they had revival at Watergate. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to stand together and read. And this is partly because I know you need to stand. And uh, this is also partly just in honor of the Word of God. So let's read this short passage together in verse 22. And then we'll do a little Bible study around it as we look into the text and see what the text has to say to us this morning. Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 through 27. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, and therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And there the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in His eyes and give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank You so much for this passage of Scripture. I thank You that we're taught in Your Word the things that we are. Today, I know that there are people in this room who are going through tests. Lord, I had no intention ten days ago of preaching this message, but Lord, You just grabbed me and I've not been able to get away from it for several days. But Lord, I don't believe it's just for me. I believe it's for people in this room because I am freshly reminded that we go through tests. But You have given us help for the tests that You put us through. And so Lord, we praise You today that Your grace is sufficient. We praise You today that You have given us examples in Your Word how to do well when we find the test coming our way. So Lord, I pray right now You would do for every person in here what I can't do. I pray that You would keep them alert to what You have to say through Your Word by the power of Your Holy Spirit. And when it's all said and done, may we walk out of here today more in love with Jesus than we were when we came in. And I prayed in His name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In the bulletin you have an outline, and I just want to encourage you to use the outline and jot down notes. Anything that I say that's worthwhile, I typically am the kind of person I like to, I like to follow along with some notes, but I typically can only take one or two things away from any sermon. And so while I'm a preacher and I've been doing this a long time, I know how it goes. But that thing that God speaks to you about, get it. And hold on to it. Alright? And so let me give you some reminders today. This is a pre-test review. We're going to learn from these people who went through the test. I don't know if you noticed that, but I kind of tried to highlight it with my, with my voice. In verse 25, it says, There He tested them. God tested His people. 
we're always in and out of tests. And so the reality is we don't need to be under any illusion when we go into some trying times where we're being tested. It is not as if God has all of a sudden lost control or that He said, oops, i got to recover this. God is God. And He is in control. And, and it does us well to remember this. And so I want to give you those reminders, these reminders uh, that will help you when you find yourself in those moments. Reminder number one, verses 22 and 23. When you are going into a test, remember that there is a universal truth that you just need to accept. And here's that universal truth. It's always something. Everybody say that with me. It's always something. That's the universal truth. Now that's really profound, isn't it? It's just what it is. I heard Chuck Swindoll say one time, he said, life consists of 10% of what happens to you and 90% of life is how you respond to it. There's always something. You've heard it said, and I heard it said early in the faith, and I used to hear it so often, I was like, oh, these cliches. You're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're just out of one. You're always being tested. It's always something. That's the universal truth. Now, I want you to look at these verses with me, and I want you to notice a few things. We see here in verse 22, Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. Now, you, you can review mentally really quick whether you've read the Bible or not. Uh, we're, grow, we're, we're living in a day where, where Bible illiteracy is growing very fast. A lot of people uh, don't know the Bible. And, and so when I go to preach in, in churches, I no longer assume anything for anyone. But most people know the story of Moses if for no other reason than from the Prince of Egypt or from the movies. Uh, they know the story of Moses in one way, shape, or form. And the reality is the Red Sea miracle, you, you need to remember or you need to know that God sent Moses down into Egypt to bring his people out. They had been in bondage for 400 years. They had grown from a small group of people to a large group of people, upwards of 2 million people. And God saw that they were in, enslaved and he was hearing their cries. So God sent a deliverer. God sent Moses down there. As a matter of fact, that's why Moses was born. Moses is a type, uh, a foreshadowing of Christ. Moses is far from imperfect. He's no perfect Savior. But Moses was God's leader. Moses was God's deliverer. So Moses goes down there. God sends plagues. And, and eventually Pharaoh says, get out of here. And then he sends them on their way. And they're about to cross the Red Sea. And if you don't know the story, it goes like this. Moses stands at the opening or, or at the Red Sea, at the shore of the Red Sea, and the enemy now, Pharaoh's changed his mind. He's sending his army after them. And Moses is saying, oh my, what are we going to do? And God says, hold out your staff. So Moses holds out his staff. The waters part. And the children of Israel march across the Red Sea and all of them get across safely. They didn't get stuck. There's no water marks on them. They get through on the other side. And then God releases the water and God basically eliminates the Egyptian army through the water in the Red Sea. They get on the other side and they have just won an amazing victory and they never shot the first arrow. They didn't throw a stone. They did nothing. God won the battle for them. 
They get on the other side, and to say that they are happy is putting it mildly. Uh, in East Tennessee, we used to do a thing called camp meeting. Camp meeting is like, man, you could be out in a tent, like a big old-fashioned tent or something like that. You could be in a church, whatever. But this would be a time where you would come together once or twice a year for a few nights or a week, and man, you would do music and sermons and praying. You would just go in there and just have church for a couple of hours. And it was awesome. It was almost just like, it was, it was also actually just fun. You're going in there being reminded of the victory that we have because of Jesus Christ. It was awesome. Well, they're having camp meeting. Miriam gets to the other side and she's writing a song and she's got her tambourine. If you go up and look a few verses before, the prophetess, this is uh, Moses' sister, verse 20, she's got the tambourine out. And she's dancing and she's singing and she's got a, a little team with her and they're just having a, a camp meeting for all practical intents and purposes. They have just won an incredible victory. They are free from Egyptian bondage. It's a good time. And then lo and behold, we're just on the other side of that. And as you keep on reading, they go out from the Red Sea. They go into the wilderness of Shur. They're three days in the wilderness and they have no water. When they came to a place called Mara, they realized there's water there, but it says they couldn't drink it because it was bitter. And therefore, that's why it was called Mara. That's the Hebrew word for bitterness. I want you to notice the timing of the test. The timing of the test is right after that mountaintop experience. We're talking right after camp meeting. Right after this great victory. Right after they're set free. I mean, they've got a new lease on life. They don't have somebody beating them with whips. They don't have unreasonable hours being demanded of them. They don't have any of that. They're free. Free at last. And now they're dying of thirst. Three days. And then this makes it worse. There's water in the place, they go to drink it, and it's so close yet so far away. You can't drink it. It's bitter. I would almost rather not even see water <laughs> if I couldn't drink it. Any of you remember that old cookie commercial? When, or it was a milk commercial, actually. They show them eating chocolate chip cookies, and then they go to the, the refrigerator, they throw the door open, and there's like an empty milk carton on the inside of the refrigerator. Is that tragic or what? I mean, that really gets to your heart every single time. They're on the good side of the Red Sea. They're out of Egypt. And they're only three days over there. And here's the lesson there. It's, it's just a universal truth that it's always something. From the time Adam and Eve were put out of Eden, perfection is lost. Life isn't easy. It isn't easy for the young people. It's not easy for the old people. It's especially not easy the older you get. It's just not easy. Now, you didn't come to church. I'm not going to pray and send you out with that truth right there. Hopefully, I'm going to give you a little bit of hope. Thank God. But I do want to say that the Bible makes it very clear that life is filled with trials. Psalm 34, verse 19 is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. 
It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord doth deliver us out of them all. I love the idea that the Lord delivers us out of all of our trials. I hate the fact that that verse starts with the word many. Many are the afflictions of who? The unrighteous? The righteous. The Christians. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I wish when I, I, you know, I really kind of thought that, you know, becoming a Christian would make things a little easier. I mean, I'm on the good side now, right? It's just not the way it works. The sun rises on the just and the unjust. The rain comes on the just and the unjust. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but thank God the Lord does deliver us out of them all. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, James writes, the half brother of Jesus. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces patience or steadfastness. And, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He says, Count it joy when you enter into various trials, various tests. Now, on the one hand, I really appreciate that passage. Again, if I'm being honest with you, I find it incredibly challenging. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you enter into various kinds of trials. How many of you woke up this morning and said, Lord, life's been a little easy this past week? And I really sense that I need to grow and I'm not growing. Lord, send me a good trial. Test me, Lord. Did anybody pray that? If you did, please stay away from me. Because I don't want to be within 100 feet of you. None of us pray for tests. None of us pray for trials. None of us do. Because none of us want them. We all want to tiptoe on, on the tulips. We all want to walk down easy street. But it's not happening. But it doesn't change the reality that God uses tests. God uses trials just like He did with the children of Israel. Are you with me so far? I hate to beat a dead horse. I feel like I've said enough already. But the reality is it just needs to be known. We have a universal truth to accept. It's always something. I'll finish with a testimony about that. But I just want you to know, until we get to heaven, it's always going to be something. And don't let that remind you of how close you are to hell. Let it remind you of the reality that heaven's coming for you one day. This is so far not the best that's ever going to be for you. You're not even remotely close to the best of what it's going to be for you. Even Jesus Himself. I mean, think about it. One more thing. One more thing. Just a reminder. We're still on reminder number one. I don't know how many of these I'll get through. Reminder number one. The baptism of Jesus. Jesus comes down. He's 30 years old. He comes down in the water. John the Baptist is out there baptizing. He's like, I've been telling you about this one who's coming, whose sandals I'm, I'm not even worthy to untie. And here He is. You should baptize Me, John says to Him. And then Jesus walks down into the water and there's a, a voice from heaven that says, this is My beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Then a spirit descends like a dove and and, and Jesus comes up and he, he leaves this. And where does He go? Immediately. The Spirit leads Him into the wilderness. His Son, the Son of the Father, who just spoke from heaven, the One who's just been recognized, 
He goes out to do battle with Satan for 40 days and for 40 nights he doesn't eat in the wilderness. Even Jesus was tried. Even Jesus gives us an example. And I'm very thankful for that because in reality I know that I have in Jesus a high priest who knows my trials, who knows my tests. The book of Hebrews says He was tempted in every way like we are, yet He knew no sin. He was made perfect through suffering, the writer of Hebrews says. And so if Jesus had to go through that to become what Jesus became on our behalf, if Jesus had to go through that, don't you know that our loving, heavenly, sovereign Father, in making me the man I'm supposed to be and you the woman you're supposed to be and the man you're supposed to be, don't you know that He's going to use trials to take us there? Because He's making us into something that is better than what we currently are if we don't resist Him. Okay, reminder number two. We have a foundation for every test that we need to understand. When you look at verse 24, it says, And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I'm going to be very gracious to the people here and say I probably would have been asking the same question. I probably would have been among those grumbling. Isn't grumble just kind of even a, like it's just a grumble? Like just pronouncing the word grumble. I mean, grovel, grumble, blah. It's just a, it just rolls out negatively. There's no energy to it. They're complaining against Moses. Moses, what are we going to drink? They, they are upset with Moses. Forget the fact that he just led them across the Red Sea. Forget the fact he just brought them out of bondage. We're thirsty. That's the reality of the situation. It's a tough situation. It's very understandable if you ask me. As I read the, read the Bible here this many years later in a nice kind of air-conditioned room and lights on and everything like this, I, I'm like, oh, they shouldn't have grumbled. They shouldn't have complained. Are there any complainers? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> My name is Eddie Cole. I'm a complainer. I've been complain free for 24 hours now. There are a lot of complainers in here, I bet. The foundation for every test you go through, know this, this is, this is a thirst test, it's a thirst problem, but more than it's a thirst problem, it's a theology problem. It's a trust problem. If you've ever been thirsty, you know that's a real problem. But even though you feel that, at the core of this, it's like, did the same God who brought me across the Red Sea and who killed the enemies, did He bring me out here to let me die by thirst? No. It's not a provision problem, it's a perception problem. The test is always, here's the foundation for every test you and I will ever go through in our life. The test is ultimately about trusting God. That's the foundation for every test that we will ever go through. I'm going to tell you that's really good preaching, and Pastor Sean can improve on anything I'm saying in the years ahead. 
But the foundation for every test you'll go through as an individual or a church, at the core, it's a trust issue. Do you trust Jesus? And I could give you a hundred examples, and many of you could give even better ones than I could about the faithfulness of God to bring you through a trial, and you know at the end of it, He just took you through it to find out whether or not, really, He knew what you would do. He wanted you to see what was on, on the inside of you. Will you trust Him? Reminder number three, verse, the first part of verse 25. Verse 24, the people are grumbling against Moses. But in verse 25, look at what Moses does. Moses cries, but he cried to the Lord. Reminder number three says we have a clear example to follow. The people did what was natural. They got upset. They grumbled. But let's notice that Moses cried as well. But Moses cried out to the Lord. I just want to say this. When you find yourself in a test, you will do one of two things typically. You will either whine or you will worship. And you'll find a lot of times you'll vacillate even between in the morning if you're opening up your Bible and you're having a great quiet time or on Sunday when you're singing worship songs, then you can, you're, you're doing good, but by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, a little bit, now you're fighting. Can I just tell you that, that, that the way you, you make it through is to remember the reminder, the example that we have in Moses. Moses took his cry to the Lord. Lord, what will we drink? This is a real need, Lord. If you're angry, if you're upset, if you're struggling with forgiveness, if you're struggling with provision, you're going bankrupt, you just lost your job, if your child is strayed, if your spouse is strayed, if you just made a discovery that you wish to God you never would have discovered, I want you to know God knows your heart. He knows the angst that you're in. And He's wanting you to bring that in all of its honesty, in all of its force before His throne. And say, God, what about this? I'm convinced that many of us in church today are jammed up inside because we don't just go and say, God, I'm mad. Can you help me forgive? God, I'm confused. If you can't help me understand because I'll never understand till I get to heaven, can you at least give me some extra help to make it through this because I am walking in a cloud if not in utter darkness right now. God knows your pain and He's not afraid of your, your anxiety. But you're going to need to bring it to Him. You're going to need to cry out to the Lord. I'm so thankful I was saved in East Tennessee. I was saved among some people that just knew how to pray. And the way they taught me how to pray was to just pray. It wasn't a class. They took me underneath uh, the service while it was going on. They took me in this room and they just cried out to God. They all prayed out loud simultaneously. And they prayed loud. And they prayed with tears. And they would pray for their sons, their daughters. They would pray for marriages. They prayed for our pastors. He gives the invitation let people come. They prayed. And you know what? God answered prayers. When I was in, in New York, we had Africans that would meet and pray. You could literally hear them on another floor. And I was like, why? Everybody's praying all aloud at the same time. I love praying with them because it took me back to Tennessee. You know what they told me? They said, they said, Pastor, the reason we pray the way we do is because we don't have, when you're out in the bush, when you're out in this situation, you don't have the, the luxuries, the doctors, the medicine that you have here. And if God doesn't come through for you, you're through. So we cry out to the Lord. 
I'm going to tell you I'm so thankful for that. And I think that's what Moses did. I think Moses shed his dignity. And I think he just cried before the Lord. They might have been looking at him thinking, Moses is a crybaby. But watch what happened. The fourth reminder is this. There's an unexpected solution to apply. These others just kind of go rather quickly. But when you look at verse 25, it says that Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log. The Lord showed him a log. He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. I, if I could tell you, for me, what jumped out at me back in 1998 in this passage was the two words, the Lord showed him. In other words, the Lord gave him faith to see what nobody else saw. To believe what nobody else could believe. Because it was something between him and the Lord. There's an unexpected solution to apply in every trouble, in every trial. The Lord showed Moses a tree. He showed him a log. The Israelites, I'm sure, are looking and saying, that crazy old man, what in the world is he doing? We're thirsty, and he's like picking up firewood. I'm going to keep on going. Reminder number five, verse 26. Are you still with me? If you are, would you say amen? amen. It says there, second half of verse 25, before we look at verse 26, there the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. There He tested them. And here's what He was saying. He said, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and you do what's right in His eyes and give ear to His commandments, keep His statutes, I'm going to put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. I want you to see the fifth reminder is that there's a special identity for the children of Israel, the children of God, that they have to personalize, and you and I do as well. A special identity to personalize. You look at that and you say, there's a condition. If I'm good enough, if I keep the law good enough, then God's going to protect me. I just want you to know, it wasn't just that He was going to protect them. He's saying you are qualitatively different. Because the diseases that came on the Egyptians, the diseases that came on them were judgments. Not every sickness, not every disease is a judgment. What came on the Egyptians was judgment. And what God says to them, you, you can get sick, you're going to go through trying times, but I am the Lord who heals you. I am with you. You will go through trouble, but I will be with you and I am your healer. You know who healed? You know what the Lord did here? He didn't heal the children of Israel, He healed the water. The bitter water was made sweet. You're not like the others. That's the reminder. You're not like everyone else. I want you to hear the voice of God saying to you this morning, if you are a Christian, you are mine. And this test is not meant to kill you. This test is not my judgment on you. Trust me. Trust me. You are mine. And the final reminder is this. There's a powerful contrast to remember. Verse 27, they went to Elam, which was a few miles down the road, where they found 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And they encamped there by the water. The contrast is that He's going to bring you through whatever He's going to take you to. In Marah, they had lack and bitterness. And in Elam, they had abundance and blessing. 
When you look at this, you see 12 springs of water. That's one for each of the 12 tribes. When you see 70 palm trees, I want you to know that's not just cover and shelter to some degree, but on those palm trees, anyone in Israel and anybody that's ever been there knows that you don't just have trees that you can sit under, you have dates on those trees. There's food. There's provision there. So they go from lack and bitterness to abundance and blessing, and in Mara they had anger and exhaustion, but they had God's grace, and in Elam they had rest and refreshment and God's blessing. I just want you to know, these are some reminders that will help you every time you go through. Now, go back up with me, and here's where I want to close. Verse 25. Verse 25, it says that the Lord showed him, being Moses, a log. I just want you to know that in every trial, in every test, God will show you something to help you through. I absolutely love this. Here we are today, and the reality is, is if we don't need God to show us anything else in the trial... We need God to show us a tree. Because where do we place our hope, church? It's not in ourselves, is it? Okay, you talk to me. I'll wrap this up. (laughs) At least shake your head with me. Most of you are doing... All right. So here's what I want you to know. And we're about to take communion to close with. But the solution in your trouble, the solution in your trial, is not for you to pull, up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and to get it through, but to pray. And to say, God, show me what You have for me. Show me Your provision for me. And here's what I want you to know. If God shows you nothing else, He's going to show you the cross of Calvary. Because at the cross of Calvary, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 33, that God who didn't spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely and abundantly give us everything that we will ever need? If God would give His own Son Jesus for you and for me, don't you know if He's going to give us what it takes to get into heaven? He's going to give you whatever you need to make it through your trial. He's either going to deliver you out of your trial... Or He's just going to get into the trial with you and walk you through it. But at least let the Lord show you the cross because the cross screams this. Our God sometimes allows and uses things that He hates. Pain and suffering and even death to accomplish ultimately what He loves. Which is the salvation of our souls and our eternal destiny with Him. And here's what you can know. Even in death, that lady who died of a heart attack, think about this. The night before, she's praying, God, bring my son home. And the very next day, the very thing that would bring her son back happened. How many of you know that as a mom, as a, as, with a love only a mom could have, she's probably good with the fact, oh, that's fine. I'm getting heaven. And you're answering my prayer because my boy's back now playing his guitar for Jesus. (laughs) Last year about this time, I was supposed to come and preach. I went through a trial. It was the worst I've ever been through. I called Pastor Sean. I said, Sean, I need need a friend right now. And I can't talk. And he's a Marine. I'm a Marine. And I just said, I'm going through something that I... 
I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I, it's, it's a personal thing, and I'm, go, I'm going to fail this test. If God doesn't help me, I'm going to fail this test. And if I fail this test, there's going to be a lot of people hurt. It, was, it had to do with an offense. And it had to do with whether or not I had the ability to forgive. It had to do with the, whether or not I was going to be able to, to be the kind of man of God I was supposed to be so that I could help someone else. I was taking an offense for someone that I loved dearly who had been hurt deeply. My natural fleshly reaction was somebody's going to pay. As sure as I'm breathing, somebody's paying for this. And I didn't know if I was going to make it. Sean said, Ed, we don't. He said, Ed, I, I prepare my sermons months out. He's like, you don't have to come here. As a matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kindly disinvite you right now and say, you just take a break. We'll get you next year. He said, why don't you just go and pray because the Lord cares about, more about you as his child than he does about you as his preacher, as his minister. Why don't you just go be with Jesus? Can I just tell you something that extended my life? Because you want to know what God did for me? God didn't give me justice. He gave me grace. And I can breathe deeply knowing good and well that wherever things are lacking in my life, He's in complete control. And you know what He did to me? He showed me the cross afresh and anew. And for every moment I said, God, I'm alone. Somebody needs to pay. I'm in pain. This isn't fair. For every little thing I reminded him that was going on inside of me, he said, oh, I felt that. Because that's what the cross says for every offense, for every trial, for every pain. Been there. Except for failure. He's been there. <laughs> we serve a wonderful Savior. Let the Lord show you the tree this morning. Your hope is not in your ability to make it through the test. Not in your ability to pass the test. Your hope is in Jesus, who's already passed it, and said, you just follow me and I'll make sure you get through this. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. We thank you for our time together today. And pray now as we reflect on the cross and the resurrection, the victory of our risen Lord through taking communion, that you would lift our hearts, no matter what our trial, to know that you will either bring us out or you'll just walk us through. But either way, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you today for showing us afresh, not just from Moses and his tree, but the cross of Calvary and the tree Jesus threw into our Mara to make what was bitter become sweet. We love you, Lord. I pray your blessing over every brother and sister in this room and for those who don't know you, May they today place their faith in Jesus, who didn't say He came to make life easy. He came to offer forgiveness and eternal life for all who would repent and place their faith in Him. May today they do just that. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.